Welcome back to another edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Joined by Paul Hoynes from uh, Goodyear, Arizona. Hoynesy, uh, how was the trip out there, and, and what's it like in the uh, the desert southwest? Yeah, Joe, good flight out, direct flight, uh, American Airlines, no problems. And, uh, you know, Arizona has not changed. It's nice. It's, the sun is out. You know, that was a kind of a, a shock, you know. You know, if you've been in Cleveland all winter, you only see the sun now and then, but the sun was out yesterday. It was like 70 degrees. So, you know, there's not much going on in camp right now. Uh, today, uh, the players uh, take their, the position players take their physicals and things really start rolling tomorrow with the first full squad workout. Yeah, that's the, uh, uh, the, the sort of the, the, the go time for, for Stephen Vogt, the, the first big speech that he gets to give. Uh, in front of the the whole assembled uh, team and and all the travel party members and everybody's there uh, sort of hanging on his every word. Uh, does does vote seem like he's ready to go? Yeah, I would think. You know, he's had a lot of time to prepare for this, and I'm I'm sure he's heard a lot of a lot of all, you know kind of spring training uh, set the tone speeches as a player in ten years in the big leagues. So hopefully he kept notes. Uh, one of the uh, one of the players that uh, Stephen Vogt mentioned that he uh, saw and, and interacted with and uh, w- had a chance to get a look at uh, over the last couple of days, uh, Daniel Espino, one of the, the top prospects, uh, he's on the 40 man roster. Uh, he described Espino as a specimen uh, when he was talking to reporters uh, yesterday. Uh, what's uh, what's the latest there, and what, what are the expectations for uh, for Espino here? Uh, obviously, he's coming off shoulder surgery, uh, the same kind of shoulder surgery that that Vote had, so he is he's a little familiar with uh, the recovery process. Uh, but uh, as far as Espino goes, uh, we're not hearing any anything in terms of hard deadlines or you know projections for when he's going to be able to get on the mound and pitch in a game, right? Right, Joe. I think uh, you know he's still rehabbing. There there hasn't been any deadlines set, and he is he he is ripped. Man, he's not that tall, but he looks like uh, he looks like an MMA fighter. You know, he looks like he's uh, trained to the minute. That's uh, you know, that's that's a great description. I think uh, we'll uh, we'll have to draw some comparisons later on as we get to know uh, Espino a little bit more. Uh, first game uh, coming up on Saturday against Cincinnati Cactus League opener uh, there at Goodyear Ballpark, and then uh, you know the the phases of spring training sort of. Uh, uh, you know, take over. They they get to uh, you know, it was described to us as uh, you know, you can't wait to get there. You can't wait to get games started. Then once the games start, you can't wait to you know, sort of uh, get wrapped up and, and get on the road and get back into uh, the the everyday uh, grind of a baseball season. Uh, right now we're we're sort of in that uh, you know, can't wait to get games started phase. I, I think is is where they are on the uh, the spring training spectrum. For sure, Joe. And, uh, you know, spring trainings are like a little condensed, you know, the last few years. You know, it hasn't it doesn't seem to be as long uh, as, it, as it used to be, um, you know, the lead up time to the first game. You know, pitchers and catchers have been here since, what, the 13th. You know, they really officially started working the 13th. Uh, you know, the players come in um, and start, uh, you know, position players. The first full squad is tomorrow. But these guys have all been here for like two months, Joe. A lot of them have been here for for you know a month, month and a half in Arizona training at the facility. So it's not really that big of a, a sea change. 
Yeah, and and a lot of it has to do with just the you know the changes and the developments in efficiency in you know what they do uh, you know, agreements with the the players association to to sort of reduce the amount of time that they're required to be there uh, you know over the years that's happened but you know the the teams themselves have gotten better at making sure you know putting together an agenda for you know for the daily workouts and you know everything that the the players need to do to be efficient and get in get out. Uh, and you know, there's, there's really not a lot of need for them to be there, uh, two to three weeks, uh, of, of extended time before they start playing games anymore. Now it's like, uh, you know, a couple days and then, Hey, we're ready to go. Yeah. And you know, that was one of the uh, selling points when, uh, Cleveland moved from, uh, Winter Haven, Florida to uh, Goodyear, uh, Arizona is that this facility is a destination. You know, Goodyear was a place where you can't, you, you know, you showed up in uh, at the reporting dates and then, uh, you know, got out of there as soon as you could. But, you know, Arizona, the the Goodyear uh, uh, facility is, you know, up to date. It's, uh, you know, cutting edge, you know, players, uh, you know, can they like to live in Phoenix and in the, in the in the surrounding area. And, uh, you know, so, you know, they can they can stay here all winter. You know, they can and mm-hmm. train here all winter. And, you know, that's that was one of the big selling points of making the move here. Yeah. And, and it, it just it, like you said, it makes everything all in one central location. Uh, players that live in that area already. Uh, a lot of uh, Cleveland's pitchers actually uh, come from the West Coast. So, you know, they're not that far away uh, from home. It, it makes it an, an easy trip to to stop out there during the offseason if they want to spend a week or two. Uh, working on things, refining things, uh, much like Shane Bieber did uh, in the offseason. Uh, you wrote about uh, Bieber's offseason, and, and he went to uh, Driveline and uh, did a little work there and, and you know, tried to, to improve himself coming into this uh, this this spring training. Uh, what were the things you learned about Shane and, and what he was able to do uh, this offseason uh, with his, you know, program coming off of an injury season? Yeah, Joe, I mean – uh, Bieber committed like totally to this program. I think he was he was looking for you know kind of uh, to change up to change up his offseason program to do something uh, you know that really kind of pushed the envelope. Uh, and he you know went to Driveline. There there is one in Scottsdale. You know I had thought he had went to the to the one in uh, Seattle, but mm-hmm. you know he was able to go to Scottsdale. He was able to you know stay here and work out every day at this place. And he said you know. He, you know, he, he said, you know, it, you don't want to put the cart before the horse, but he's, he's, he thinks it's what was one of his best offseason programs. His velo picked up, you know, he was, you know, exposed to new, new ideas. Uh, and he really, you know, he, he thinks it helped him. He helped him not just his fastball, you know, velocity, but his other pitches as well. So, you know, I'm, he's really in a in a good spot right now, and uh, I think he's looking forward to this and uh, this season. And you know, obviously, you know, it was a season where you know, if if you're going to do something big, something turn over a new leaf, you know, your walk year is the year you want to do it. Yeah, this is a it's it's a you know no mystery. There there's nobody's hiding behind the fact that this is a a big you know first couple of months of this season for Shane Bieber because if he goes out there. And, and pitches lights out, he's going to make himself that much more attractive to a contender uh, you know, by the trade deadline. And, and uh, the Guardians are going to be able to get a, a, a lot bigger uh, haul, a lot bigger, uh, you know, more uh, better prospects uh, or 
or players in, in return for him uh, if they decide to to trade him. And, and really, at, at this point, all signs point to uh, him him being traded at some point between now and uh, the trade deadline. That's that's just history and facts. Uh, the way things have been with this club for for so long. Uh, what's his attitude uh, about the the rumors and and you know having to every time he picks up his phone or or looks at a uh, anything online during the off season, uh, you know his name's being mentioned in that. Yeah, he said you know in the past said it has bothered him, Joe, that it was that it was hard for him to ignore the trade rumors. I mean, this guy's been traded like since what the end of the 2020 2022 season right there's been rumors about him being traded and uh, he's still here in a cleveland uniform but he said in the past that it did bother him that it was hard to ignore but he said you know he dove into this new program this winter uh at driveline and you know he really didn't have time to uh to uh, check the social media to uh, you know kind of put his ear to the ground and listen to the rumors you know he was he was you know focused on uh, getting better and you know trying to take advantage of this these uh the new uh you know ideas that have that have been uh, thrown at him and uh you know I think he was able he said he was able to ignore all the outside noise well that's that, that's a positive sign it it sounds like a, a a good start to the season for Bieber as long as he stays healthy and stays sound doesn't have uh the shoulder or uh elbow issues that that plagued him uh in over the last 3 or 4 years uh we maybe we'll see him return to that uh 2020 Cy Young form and you know the hope is that he can win as many games as possible uh, uh in in the first couple of months of the season and and uh like we said put uh put the Guardians in a really advantageous position uh with other teams uh some news from around the uh the league in terms of starting pitching uh, looks like Blake Snell has an offer on the table from the Yankees, uh, according to uh, some reports out of New York. Uh, so we'll have to keep an eye on the reigning NL Cy Young winner. Uh, still doesn't have a team right now, and uh, looks like he'll be uh, could be uh, a guy that the Yankees are making a strong push for. Uh, as far as another starter, Brandon Woodruff, a guy who's had uh, an injury, uh, you know, issues in the past. Uh, he's heading back to the Brewers on a two-year deal, uh, so uh, there's another starter there. Uh, but uh, as far as relievers go, uh, a familiar name for the Guardians, a familiar name to Cleveland fans, uh, Brian Shaw signs a minor league deal with the uh, Chicago White Sox. He'll be in camp trying to win a spot on the on the club in uh, Chicago, uh, still chasing that all-time record. Uh, uh, Jesse Roscoe uh, games uh, games pitched and and, and uh, Brian Shaw uh, quite a bit of ways from it, but uh, it starts by trying to make a club out of spring training. Yeah, Joe, you know he's he's back he's back with the White Sox. He's in big league camp. You know he pitched with them last season, made like uh, 38 appearances, and uh, this guy he's the guy that keeps on ticking. Joe, he's 36, and uh, you know he's obviously uh, you know holds the uh, career appearance record. In Cleveland, with four, 559, 519 appearances, I should say. He's at, career-wise, Joe, he's at 791. Mm-hmm. That is 59th on the all-time list. But, uh, you know, he, when he was in Cleveland, he always said he was shooting for Jesse Orozco's record. I, I don't know if he's going to reach uh, Jesse's record. Jesse's, what, at 12, 1,252, the most ever by a relief of a relief pitcher. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. I mean, at 
70 to 80 a, a year, he'd have to pitch, you know, five more years. And he's, he's what he's at least five more years, but, uh, he's, he's what 36. He's 36. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And no doubt in my mind that, that he could do it physically. Uh, it's just a, a matter of, uh, finding a, an opportunity with a team to, to latch on there and, and, and stick and, and get the chance to, to go out there every other day. Uh, that's, uh, Brian Shaw, as we know, uh, every day is a, a Brian Shaw day and in, in major league baseball. Uh, want to remind our listeners, uh, if you're, you're tuned in here, uh, the best way to get updates directly from Hoinsey at spring training, uh, in Goodyear, he's, he's on the fields with these guys, uh, over the next, uh, 10 days or so, uh, go to cleveland.com slash subtext, uh, sign up there for three ninety nine a month. Uh, you can, uh, join our subtext community, uh, have a chance to ask questions, text back and forth with, uh, Hoinsey and with me, uh, throughout the season, it's uh, $3.99 a month to subscribe, go to cleveland.com slash subtext or send a text message to 216-208-4346, uh, to, to get signed up there. Hoinsey, as you're walking around, uh, the, the facility, the, the, the practice grounds there in Goodyear, uh, who on the, on the, the camp list on the, on the roster there, uh, among the younger players, and we're talking guys who really have a chance to sort of make the 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 final 26-man roster out of spring training. Who are the guys that really need to have a good camp? I mean, in a lot of ways, with when, when Tito was there, in a lot of ways, you, you know, whether or not you performed really well or, or really badly, if you were a veteran guy, Tito kind of knew those guys get to their numbers eventually. And, you know, it, whether you had a, a great camp or a bad camp, it really – often didn't really uh, influence your, your standing. Uh, who are some guys who can actually win jobs out of camp or who need to impress people uh, just by their performance here over the next, you know, three to four weeks? Uh, Joe, I think, uh, you know, a lot, there's a lot of, there's a roster full of those guys. You know, uh, Chris, Chris Antonetti said, you know, last week that one of the reasons they did not go out and uh, bring in veteran guys or free agents or through trades is that they wanted it, they, that they feel their roster is at a point where they've got to find out where, if these young guys can play or not. So, you know, it's basically, it's, it's, you know, from that, I'm, I'm taking it's, it's either sink or swim with these young guys. And here's a couple names, or more than a couple names that, that guys that really kind of will be under the microscope this spring and the rest of the season. You know, and, and I'm sure you know the names too. Gabriel Arias. You know, is he a shortstop or not? You know, Bo Naylor, he's going to be the starting catcher. What's he going to do with that job? Brian Rocchio is going to be pushing areas for the, for, for playing time at shortstop. Uh, Tyler Freeman's in the shortstop mix as well. Uh, you know, Will Brennan, I mean, can he, you know, he hit 266 last year, but can he put some muscle behind those numbers? Um, you know, Tanner Bybee is, can he repeat what he did last season? I mean, Tanner, Bobby, Gavin Williams, Logan Allen, those three uh, rookie pitchers, you know, they're really figure prominently in this rotation this year. And, you know, so, you know, it's really going to be interesting to watch those guys. You know, uh, Manzardo, what, you know, what happens with him? Does he get a chance to be the DH slash first baseman or uh, does, will he go, start the year at, at AAA? And then, uh, you know, uh, Davis, Davison, Davison, De Los Santos, 
you know, what do they do with the rule five guy? Is he, does he make the club as a backup third baseman, first baseman slash maybe outfielder, or do they send him back to Arizona? Those are, those are a few of the guys, you know, that we have to keep an eye on. Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting you brought up Davis and De Los Santos there at, at the end. Uh, we've seen video of him uh, as camp has opened, and he's out there uh, taking uh, fly balls, taking ground balls in the outfield. Uh, is is he uh, a guy that they're maybe potentially looking at as a a platoon guy in right field, uh, maybe with Will Brennan, uh, and and you know it, it moves other guys around like Ramon Laureano. Uh, you know he's going to be on the the roster at some point, so. Uh, where, where do you think, uh, they're thinking about Davis and De Los Santos right now? Well, when they, you know, when they drafted him off uh, the Diamondbacks roster in December, the rule five draft, they said he volunteered to play outfield. So I guess they're going to take a look at him out there. Um, you know, right, right now, you know, he's kind of blocked, you know, at first base and third base, obviously a DH, he's got a chance. But there's a lot of guys, you know, in that same category. So uh, it's really going to be interesting to see how these guys compete and what decisions the front office and, and Stephen Bolt and the coaching staff make by the end of camp. Yeah, how will we know, you know, what direction some of these guys are, are, are being thought about, you know, by vote, by uh, by Chris Antony, Mike Chernoff? Uh, is it going to – are we going to be able to look at – their the lineup card each day uh, during spring training and think okay well you know they're they're batting De Los Santos uh, in in the middle of the order in some of these games and they're playing him in in right field and you know then halfway through the game maybe he moves to third base or first base uh, how will we be able to pick up on what their their thought process is with this guy yeah I wouldn't read anything into you know the first six seven eight games of the the Cactus League season. That's what just, you know, uh, you know, getting the vet, you know, the young guys in there and giving the the more experienced players a little break before they, you know, get, you know, start coming into the game and playing two, three, four innings. But, you know, midway through camp, Joe, if you keep seeing uh, De Los Santos in the lineup, hitting in the middle of the lineup, moving around um, in, um, you know, moving around at different positions and maybe some veteran guys, you know, stay back and play some camp games or some minor league games. You know, that means they're, they're taking a look at De Los Santos against the best competition, you know, available this spring. And it means, you know, he's under consideration for a job. And that goes for all those young guys. Yeah. And I mean, initially that that first lineup, maybe on, on Saturday, you know, you know, Jose Ramirez probably be in there. Uh, interesting to see whether he's batting second or third. Uh, as as the uh, the change was made last season uh, to move him up in the lineup, but you know, what do you think about uh, Jose maybe moving back to his more natural, more comfortable um, number three spot in the order? Yeah, I'd like to see him get moved back to number three. Um, you know, I, I know Terry Francona did made the move to the, to the second spot last year, um, mainly out of desperation because they were so they were so terrible scoring runs. They could not score, and he thought the more at-bats your best player gets, the more chances you know you're going to have that to score. So that made sense. But I think uh, Ramirez is more comfortable in the number three spot. I haven't talked to him about that, but you know I think he's hit number three since what the middle you know for for about five and a half years. So I would think mm-hmm. he he'd appreciate moving back to the number three spot. But but, but th- you've got to find somebody to hit in the number two spot. And, and you know, it, if, it, if it's not Jose and who would who that who would that be? 
Yeah, it would have to be a, a right. You would think it would have to be a right-handed or switch hitter uh, if, if there's one available because you don't want uh, two consecutive lefties batting in front of uh, Ramirez in that spot. Uh, but, you know, it, who knows? Maybe vote uh, thinks of things completely differently when it comes to that kind of thing. Uh, you're going to have a chance to talk to uh, Craig Albernez here in the next couple of uh, uh, days, maybe to, uh, maybe today. Uh, and, and maybe you get some insight from Craig Albernez as to maybe how they they think about constructing a lineup or think about the, the sort of that um, that everyday uh, function of the bench coach and the interaction with uh, with him and with the uh, vote. Oh, no doubt about it. It's you know, that relationship. Has always interested me uh, between the manager and the bench coach. Uh, you know how they get along. You know how how they trade information, and I think it helps. You know, obviously that vote and uh, you know Albernez uh, played together in in the Tampa organization. Uh, so you know it, it's a uh, it's a, a kind of a unique thing. It's your guy. Uh, you know the you're the manager, but there's a guy standing right behind you, whispering in your ear. You know, hey, maybe you should do this. Maybe you should do that. What about the eighth inning? What who's going to get up in the bullpen? All those uh, little intricacies that uh, you know that that make baseball so interesting. Yeah, and if you're the uh, if you're the bench coach, you got to have thick skin because sometimes when things blow up, the manager turns around and says, "What the heck were we thinking there?" Uh, so um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how they progress with uh, with that relationship. And also don't forget Kai Correa uh, in the mix there as well. He'll he'll also have one of Vote's ears. But Vote said, uh, told reporters this week that, you know, he, he pretty much is uh, in terms of uh, Carl Willis and having Willis there and relying on him uh, as, as far as handling the pitchers go. You know, he, he made like a, a little motion like he had his arm locked around Carl Willis's arm. Uh, he says, we're this is how I'm going to be pretty much throughout the whole first game is, uh, you know, arm in arm with Carl Willis to make sure uh, that that things go right for the with the pitching. So uh, a lot of uh, a lot of safety nets for for Stephen Vogt here in this first year uh, as he gets ready to manage for the first time. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, uh, Carl Willis, you know, experienced pitching coach. Uh, he's been in he knows the Cleveland organization up and down. Uh, you know, one of the few few guys that from uh, Francona's staff that were brought back. So, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, he's got a great relationship with the rotation. He knows the bullpen. Um, you know, you can't have a better sounding board than uh, Willis. All right. That's going to wrap up today's edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Hoinsey, uh, out there in Arizona, we will be following everything you're posting and sending along. Uh, and we'll check in again with you tomorrow uh, ahead of. Uh, the big day at camp uh, as as the first official workout gets underway. Uh, we'll talk to you then. All right, Joe.